Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 28. It's titled, Live by Your Own Financial Talking financial rules today, and I want to start with an experience I had in the early part of my career where I fired a money manager because they broke the rules. This was in 1997 during the fall. There was an Asian crisis where there was slowdown in Asia, there was capital fleeing the countries, the currencies were crashing, and there was a definite concern that we were heading toward a global recession. One of the money managers that we used for our clients at the time was a firm named Freeze Associates. It was headed by Foster Freeze. The fund we used, the mutual fund, was the Brandywine Fund. It was Foster was, was a spectacular investor and very much an innovator. He was one of the first managers to focus on a high-octane growth style, almost momentum-oriented. It was earnings-based, and so they were focused on a six-month window, and and that was they were forecasting earnings out only six months, and they were trying to determine which companies the market had underestimated the earnings growth, and so they were looking for earnings surprise, and and that was their basis for investing. Very high turnover, about 200% turnover in the fund, and we'd used them for a number of years, and they had grown their firm to about $10 billion in assets. Well, that fall... They moved from essentially 0% cash to 70% cash in a week. And that broke a cardinal rule at our firm is don't time the market. Don't make a market timing call. And from our perspective, at least initially, that's what we felt Freeze Associates had done. And so I was the analyst in charge of, of the firm, so I flew out with a colleague to the outskirts of Philadelphia. We met with the professionals there. We talked about their decision process and and their rationale. And, and from their perspective, they hadn't timed the market. They simply, because the earnings expectations were crashing for the companies, they didn't have any that they wanted to buy. I didn't buy it. And not, not that necessarily... They were lying, but it was a judgment call, and and I made the recommendation to terminate the firm from our clients because we had slotted them in the very much the small company growth sleeve of client portfolios, and and the rationale for termination was it was our job as consultants to make allocation decisions, not the job of the underlying managers. And the fact that they had moved to cash, we felt, had broken a fundamental rule. Now, a lot of 
uh, of advisors felt the same way. And so Freeze Associates actually lost half their assets in, in over the next 12 months. Went from $10 billion down to $5 billion. In, uh, in retrospect, it was kind of a mixed decision in the sense that from a performance standpoint, it actually worked out well because as the markets rebounded pretty substantially in the first part of 1998, Freeze Associates was primarily still in cash, and so they ended up trailing the benchmark by 15%, and we were able to get our clients out. On the other hand, in retrospect, I was a little too hasty, I think, or too rigid in how I saw things. I I was still a novice. And here's the thing about financial rules or any type of rules. When you're beginning at something, you tend to be very rule-focused. Once you become experienced, then you have the ability, you've internalized the rules, and you're able to recognize patterns nuances, areas of gray, and you could even make up your own rules. And in some regards, Foster Freeze was a very, very experienced money manager. And he had moved into cash on two other occasions. I believe believe once in 1974 and another time in the early 80s and had been successful at it. And in back in sort of the 70s and 80s, it was very common for managers to actually be more like hedge funds, where they would they would feel responsible for the entire portfolio, not just outperforming a benchmark, but protecting capital. And that was the rules that, that Foster and his team were working under. And, and my rule was much more rigid. Don't time the market. And the rule had been broken. It was time to take action. Later, after I moved out west, Foster actually invited me to lunch. He had They have an office also in Jackson Hole. And I went with him and, and his head of, well, I guess, I don't know, his president, Bill Alonzo. We went and had lunch. And, and what I rem- a couple of things I remember about the lunch. One, how gracious Foster was. And he didn't point fingers. And he, he wasn't angry. And he simply, after the lunch, asked if we would reconsider and and use the firm again. This was three or four years later. The other thing I remember, I had first moved out west, and we were in Foster Suburban, and we pulled up to the little Jackson Square, and he he had the keys to Suburban, and he just simply put the keys in the cup holder and left the car unlocked and said, this is how we do it out west. We don't worry about people stealing our cars or leave our keys in the car, ready to use when we get back. And there's actually old-timers here that still still do that. I never have quite adopted that. But a rule had been broken, and I was very, very rigid. Now, let's go back to this idea that as you become more experienced, more experienced in finance, more experienced in any, let's say, sports, you tend to focus more on nuances, more on patterns. And an example of this, in the book Obliquity, Why Goals Are Best Achieved Indirectly, it's a book written by John Kay, he gives an example of Gary Klein, who was a researcher, and he was researching paramedics. And he had film of paramedics in action, both novices and experienced paramedics. 
and he would show those films to lay people. He'd show them to professional paramedics, and he showed them to teachers of paramedics, those whose job was to teach paramedics how to be paramedics. And what he found was the lay people and the professional paramedics could distinguish who was a novice and who was a professional. But the teacher of paramedics, they couldn't figure out who was a novice and who was a professional. Why was that? Well, it turns out that the teachers could were so focused on whether the paramedics were following the rules, they couldn't really capture or sense the intuitiveness, the fluidity which, which the professional paramedics operated. The lay people could. They could tell who was forcing it, who was being rigid, versus who was being smooth, who was being fluid, intuitive, following patterns. The professionals also could sense that. And what they could sense, what the lay people could sense, was what the Chinese call wu-wei, W-U-W-E-Y. And wu-wei is something that it sometimes could be called spontaneity, but it's also the, this, this feeling, it's a flow state, a feel of effortless, the, the ability to act without overthinking, to act intuitively. And all early Chinese thought was based on how do you accomplish and get this uwe? Because they felt if you if you were in a state of uwe, you actually had charisma and charismatic power, which they called da, was was the, the the term for this charismatic power. And all early Chinese thought, from Confucianism to Taoism, was how to get this uwe, this 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 effortless state. There's two ways to go about it. The Confucians, I think that's how you would say it, the Confucians, those that follow Confucius, believe the way to get that uwe, to become an effortless professional, was you follow the rules specifically. They had rules for everything. How do you sit? How do you talk to your elders? What hand motions did you use in a given situation? So everything was focused on context. Here's what you do. Here's how you follow the rules, and ultimately you'll be able to internalize them, and and they'll just come naturally, and you'll have that spontaneity. You'll have that effortlessness. You'll have uwe. The Taoists believed that you shouldn't follow the rules as rigidly, that if you tapped into your inner nature, would be one way to put it, that, that it would eventually come. A classic example... Uh, of this is from the book, the, the Zhuangzi. And in this book, this is a classic Chinese text written in 300 BC during the Warring State periods when the, the Chinese were battling among themselves different tribes and factions, and it was a very, very violent time. And this book, the, the Zhuangzi, came out, and it, gives, it tells the story of the madman whose name was Jieyu, J-I-E-Y-U, and another man, Jean Wu. And Jean Wu followed Confucius. He was very strict. He liked step-by-step processes. He took the world literally. He wanted to control the world. In some ways, he was a micromanager. And he saw Jieyu talking, and he, he called it crazy talk. 
And here's, here's his quote. Jeyu talked big without getting at anything, going on and on without getting anywhere. I was shocked and terrified by what he said, which seemed as limitless as the Milky Way, vast and excessive with no regard for how people are. And Jean Wu's friend said, well, what, what, what was he talking about? What was Jeyu talking about? And he, re- he relates how Jeyu was talking about this man. He actually called it a man spirit who didn't live a conventional life that wasn't eating the five sacred grains of, that the ancient Chinese would eat. Instead, this man would feed on the winds and dew. He rides upon air and clouds as if hitching his chariot to soaring dragons, wandering beyond the four seas. What in the world does that mean? I mean, that, that does seem like crazy talk. A man flying on the air in clouds. And we learn later in the book that Jeyu was very much was unconventional. He didn't believe in taking the most direct course. He believed in doing things indirectly. In fact, he here's, here's a quote here. He liked to sing. And, and, and again, they called him a madman. Confucius had visited this particular town, and, and Jeyu knew where Confucius was staying. So he went out by the gate where Confucius was staying, and he started singing the song. And I'll only read part of it, but it, the, he sings, Drawing a straight line upon this earth, and then try to walk along it. Danger, peril. The bramble and thorns would so bewilder the sunlight, they don't impede my step. My zigzag stride amid them keeps my feet unharmed. Jeyu walked in a zigzag pattern. He believed in taking an indirect approach. Instead of following the rules literally, he believed in making up his own rules. He thought that ultimately offered protection. He was extremely wary of people that felt like they had all the answers. He labeled as a sham individuals who prescribed regulations, standards, judgments, and measures derived from their own experience. You ever looked at all the the success books out there, these corporate titans that write a book about how to be successful, and but they follow their own life, and then state rules for what they need to do in order what we need to do in order to follow that same path that was something that Jeyu was very wary of he felt individuals could find their own rules and and there's this debate within early chinese thought because you had those that followed confucius that felt like you had to follow the rules exactly that's what you needed in order to become cultured to become the ability to actually experience Uwe, you would follow the rules so exactly. Whereas Jeyu was much more of a free spirit that we just let things go and follow our intuition naturally that we'll be able to experience the Uwe. That if we ride on the air and the wind, and, and often it's, it's a very much an indirect approach. It's, it's zigzagging. Instead of going in a straight line, we zigzag. Now, what does that have to do with, with financial rules and, and how you live your financial life? Let me pause here to share some words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. 
my first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. I got an email this week that I want to use as an example, and I, it's from Wayne, and he gave permission to, to share this. And, and Wayne is a recent graduate. He's at his first job. He's a web developer. He's making about $60,000 a year. And then he outlined to me all the debts that he has. He has this student loan, private student loan. He has this student loan. This is the percentage rate. Here's another student loan percentage rate. Here's his car loan. Here's how much he has in savings. Here's how much he has in a potential emergency savings. And very, very detailed. And one, you know, I'm very thankful that, you know, someone like Wayne emails me and trusts me enough to share these kind of things and, and ask for advice. Now, I'm not a registered investment advisor anymore, and so I can't give specific advice. I can provide sort of some general information but I'm very, very hesitant to tell him specifically what to do. And, and his question is, should I start investing more now or should I focus on paying off my debt? And, and I couldn't really answer it, one, because I'm not a registered investment advisor, but two, because there isn't a right answer. 
this is an example of he needs to follow his own financial rules. I mean, you could you could do a and I, and I've done this before. Well, the the after tax interest rate on the debt is this, and if you can earn this much on your investing, then it's better off to not pay off the debt and invest. But if you can only earn this much, and you can do all these calculations to determine whether it's better to start investing now or not. But it's not that simple because it depends on whether he likes to invest. Maybe if he starts investing now and getting that experience, that'll serve him well later. Maybe he feels a huge burden with this debt and wants to get it paid off. And these are the kind of nuances that these areas of gray that you can't really capture in an email, which is why I'm hesitant to give specific advice. The, you're going back to Jiu. If Jiu was going to give specific advice in terms of what Wayne should do, there's something that that he put that I, I, I really like. And let me let me find it here. Here's his quote: Jiu the madman. A bird avoids the harm of arrows and nets by flying high, and a mouse burrows in the depths beneath the shrines and graves to avoid poison and traps. Do you lack wisdom of these two little creatures? Putting that into today's world, not the analogy, the one financial rule that I obey is don't do anything financially that will irreparably harm you in terms of you can't recover from. And, and that's what Jesus is saying. He zigzags to avoid the brambles. He doesn't step into traps. He flies high so he doesn't get caught in nets. He digs low so he doesn't get poisoned. And other than that, that financial rule, there's a great deal of flexibility for individuals. Whether Wayne wants to start investing, if you feel like you want to start investing, start investing and learn. Or if you want to focus on your debt, pay off your debt. We, ex- we had the same experience a couple years ago. I could make a great financial argument why we shouldn't pay off our mortgage. And, and the after-tax interest rate was probably around 3%. And I could earn more than that investing. Yet I heard a talk by somebody, and he talked about the feeling of being unencumbered when he didn't have any debt. And I thought, I want that. I want that freedom of not knowing I have to write a check for any debt at all. And so we made a concerted effort to pay off a mortgage. And now we don't, we don't have any debt. And, but there, and we bought a, recently bought an investment property, real estate, which has been, uh, that's an episode in and of itself in terms of this particular challenges we're having with, with this piece of property. But there's all kinds of real estate advice on how you should lever up and how you can maximize your return by using leverage. And, and there's those that, that like to do that, and they're very, very comfortable doing that. That's not me. That's not our family. We don't want any debt at all, and we're fine buying real estate mortgage-free. That's another example of there are no hard, fast rules in finance. You have to find your own. What is the right mix for you? The same with how to, to invest. There are so many ways to invest. Foster Freeze, High Octane Growth Manager, Momentum. 
And there's other deep value managers that just want to buy things as cheaply as possible. Is one way right or is the other way right? Neither. They're both right. And, and that's how we need to do structure of financial life. The one rule, though, is don't do anything to irreparably harm yourself. And that's why I talk about focus on the extreme events. Be aware of the extreme events. Getting caught in a net if you're a bird. We focus on the extreme and you protect against it through insurance, through some savings, through education, perhaps through some, some food and water storage and things of that sort just to protect against the extreme so you're not irreparably harmed. Other than that, you have to find your own way. How do you find your own way? You explore, you experiment. You're always trying new things. Perhaps you start with the basic rules, the basic foundations in personal finance and investing. But then as you get more comfortable, you build upon them and you find what works best for you. But you're always exploring. You're always experimenting, just like Jeju talks about, where he rides upon the air and the clouds as if hitching his chariot to soaring dragons, wandering beyond the four seas. He was exploring, but he did it in a particular way. He didn't try to micromanage the world. It says in the Zhuangzi that he allowed the present age to seek out its own chaotic order. How could he be bothered to try to manage the world? This man is harmed by no thing. A flood may reach the sky without drowning him. A drought may melt the stones and scorch the mountains without scalding him. Jeju had uwe. He had effortlessness. He took an indirect approach, walking in a zigzag, but ultimately he found his own rules, his own way to live. And some label him a madman for doing so. But my sense is he was content. Would you do me a favor? We've covered a lot of ground on money for the rest of us in the first 28 episodes, but I, I almost have this nagging feeling I'm overlooking something. If this is a topic that you would like me to explore that I've not touched on or something you want me to, to explore in greater depth, go ahead and email me, jd at jdavidstein.com. You can get show notes for this episode at moneyfortherestofus.net. That's also where you can sign up for my insider's guide where I'll email you those show notes on a weekly basis. In that email, I include links to relevant articles. I include information that, that I didn't make into the podcast. I also... It's where I'm answering listener questions. So you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.net. Everything I've shared with you in this podcast is for general education only. I've not considered your specific risk profile. I've not provided investment advice. I've simply provided general education on money, investing, and the economy. Next week, episode 29.